the Holy Hour podcast, the All Cure podcast, that is. I'm Gavin. Thanks for joining us. This is, in fact, a podcast devoted to the legendary rock and roll Hall of Famer band, The Cure. And uh, so if you're here looking for some kind of uh, medical help, probably not the right place, but you might want to stick around anyway. I've been told that this band cures people's pain, suffering, and amplifies their joy. So um, it might just be what you need after all. So um, (laughs) what are you talking about? Um, We got a great episode, believe it or not, headed your way. And um, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I normally would edit out all that awkward banter that I just said, but that's kind of what this whole episode's all about. It is, in fact, caked with awkwardness and and fumbling and stammering and stuttering. It is the Cure Encounters episode, an episode that came to me um, back when we did the last Mystery Caller episode, actually. Um, we had gotten a message from a fellow named Craig on Facebook, um, asking if, if the mystery callers were still going, and I said, nah, sorry, we wrapped it up, and uh, then we just got talking a bit. Anyway, somewhere in our conversation, uh, he just got talking about um, how he ran into the cure in Austin City Limits in 2013, and sent me some cool photos of that, and was telling me the quick version of that story, and was like, hey, you should do an Encounters episode, so it was totally his idea, and I was like, yeah, how did we not think of this earlier? Um so, um, yeah, so all credits due to Craig on this one, and uh, couldn't thank him enough. We got a contribution to his full story that we'll play here shortly. But, um, yeah, maybe it's because I've never met The Cure um, <laughs> on, a, on a selfish level. Um, I've never done this episode because uh, I didn't have a story of meeting The Cure, but there's so many out there, and you always see them online and the... And the quick version. So I thought we'd piece together some of them from contributions from listeners like you. Yeah, it's hard to say. I've never been one to even come close to meeting The Cure, really. Um, I think the closest I ever came was just recently at Austin City Limits when I was flying back and ran into Reeves in the airport. But I didn't even really run into him. I just kind of saw him from afar. And uh, he was definitely exhausted looking and looked like he was on a mission so I didn't want to interrupt him whole part of my life is just not wanting to annoy people (laughs) so here I am um but yeah I I don't know it just seemed weird and I just wanted to let him be but at the same time would have been cool um I never have lurked around after shows or gone to hotels or anything Mostly because of the early days, I think I was always on the mercy of, like, my brother driving me home or something, you know? So I, I definitely, uh, you know, would have if somebody would have instigated it. I've been like, sure, let's try to run into these guys at the bar or something. It would be amazing. You hear these stories and uh, and uh, definitely makes it all start to seem more possible. It just never really seemed possible. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, I would definitely be a nervous wreck going back to the awkward stammering and stuttering. Because, if, as you can tell, I, I do this normally. Listen to me, for God's sake. I'm always uh, sounding awkward. So, put me in front of my all-time number one hero. It's going to be a complete disaster, I'm sure. But, you know, sometimes you just got to... Let that disaster unravel. I'm sure on some level he's seen it all at this point. But um, 
Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I guess there's people out there that are don't get starstruck. Um, you know, for it's kind of a dumb term for it because it really, you know, sometimes you get that way around any level of someone you admire. It doesn't even have to be your number one hero. But uh, I think, you know, with Robert, he is just such this like, you know, we all know he's a real person and such, but at the same time, uh, I think because the career's been going, he's so ingrained in like a lot of our childhood, even and stuff. You know, I feel like put him on this pedestal, but it's more that it's just this guy that's always been in images and these videos that you constantly watch these videos and those songs, and it's just been something that's been around entirely, like my whole life almost. You know, like there's definitely less time of my life that he hasn't been part of my thinking than he has you know and um but uh, you know he's not real <laughs> he's not a real friend or anything so but you know so you have his posters on your walls a kid so his face is always everywhere you're always got the books laying around you got the cd so it's so weird where you feel like it is somebody you know you know i've probably looked at images of him clearly way more than family members even so uh you know you do have that level of like it goes beyond just starstruck you know that seems kind of um putting a dumb label on it for sure so i don't know it's pretty amazing but yeah if i've ever did get the opportunity it would be so cool because you know i think it would be so nice to just thank him you know which is the most generic thing but at the same time it's so important you know and uh yeah, but I would probably vomit all over him and then uh, say something really embarrassing. But <laughs> I don't know. Let's hear these guys' stories. You guys pulled it off way better. But that's kind of what I love about all these contributions, too. I'm sure that there's great, like, hangout stories of these, like, mind-blowing events that happened where you end up, you know, like you know, just jamming with Robert or hanging out. And it's like the perfect ultimate hangout where they hung out all night and drank wine and talked about philosophy till the sunrise and stuff like that. But, um, you know, most of these are actually fairly, um, fairly humorous and very quick and, uh, in and out kind of meeting moments where they, uh, say, oh, here, sign this. And then that's it, you know? So I love that it's all, uh, very, um, realistic stories if you will and i think we could do about 50 of these episodes too if you guys keep sending them in because i know that there's billions of stories out there in varying degrees so um right on the top i gotta thank you all for for sending in your contributions and uh they're a total blast to listen to and to piece together um, I'll be reading some of them, and I'll be playing audio clips from some of them. But I figured no better way to get this whole thing rolling is to quit my yapping and uh, start hearing from some people that actually did run into Robert Smith and the band. And uh, no better way to kick it off than with Craig himself, the guy that instigated this whole episode. And uh, let's hear his full story of the time he met Robert and the band, Austin City Limits. Hey, Gavin and crew at the Holy Hour podcast. This is Craig, the American currently living in Belgium. You guys might remember me from Colleen's mention during the summer festival episode. My wife and I were lucky to meet up with Colleen at the Rock Worker Festival just outside of Brussels this summer. It was great seeing Colleen and really hope she's doing well. 
So thanks for letting me tell my Cure Encounter story. Uh, mine goes all the way back to October 12, 2013, when my best friend and I decided to meet uh, at the Austin City Limits Festival for weekend two. Uh, despite the extremely hot and humid weather and the occasional rainstorm, uh, we had two great days, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Depeche Mode headlined Friday night and The Cure headlined Saturday night and played an awesome set, by the way, as they always do. Uh, it was during lunch on Sunday that we had gotten a notification from the festival organizers that the third day of the festival had been canceled due to lightning storms. We were a little bummed to miss the third day, but also a bit relieved to kind of chill and take the day off as the first two days uh, were extremely long and pretty grueling. Uh, so we decided to kind of eat and drink our way around Austin for a while. And that's exactly what we did. It was around 5 p.m. when we headed back to our hotel room. And as we walked through the lobby doors of the hotel, I see Robert Smith standing in a small corner of the lobby directly between us and our elevators. Along with Robert was Simon, Roger, and I assume their tour manager. So... I wasn't exactly sure what to do. Uh, obviously, we wanted to meet them. Uh, I would wanted to really take a picture with Robert, uh, and I didn't think we'd ever have a chance to do this ever again. So I kind of worked up the courage. Uh, I walked up to Robert. I told him, I think, how important he was to me, how important the band had been in my life for so many years and how much I really appreciated it. Uh, I know I tried to keep it short and I tried to play it cool, but I doubt that was the case. Um, luckily, I don't remember exactly what I said at the time. When people describe kind of out-of-body experiences, I can only assume that this is what they mean and this is how I felt. So finally, I asked if it would be okay to take a picture with him, and he said yes. Uh, so that's how I lucked into a picture with my absolute hero, Robert Smith. However, and this is the part of the story that I've never to told anyone before, um, I actually have two pictures from that day, one with Robert and one with Roger O'Donnell. The Roger photo is actually pretty unique and a little bit more interesting because if you look at the photo, you'll notice that he's really laughing out loud. And he's laughing for two reasons. First of all, right before we took the photo, I told him that he's an inspiration and that I'm so happy uh, that he's in the cure. Uh, to which Simon, uh, standing next to him, kind of chimed in with, and I, I'm quoting this, but I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something like, I bet he paid you 10 bucks to say that. I thought I heard bucks, uh, but it's also likely he said something very British like pounds or quid or something like that, but who knows? So that obviously made uh, Roger laugh as we took the photo, but he's also laughing for a second reason. Uh, and he's laughing because right before we took the picture, after he had made his comment about me paying Roger, I also said to Roger, I really wanted to take a picture with Simon, but I totally forgot his name because I'm so fucking nervous right now, which was totally true, of course. So 
as the picture was being snapped by my friend, you can see Roger laughing, uh, I think, at what I said, but also clearly at what Simon said. So a picture with Roger and a picture with Robert. What else could you possibly ask for? And what a great weekend in Austin. How could it be any better? Well, I guess it could have been a little bit better. I could have had that picture with Simon, but I think my brain just couldn't take anymore. So I fucking forgot Simon's name, and I'm okay with that. So that's my Cure Encounter story, and I'm wishing everybody at the podcast a great 2020 and all the great Cure fans around the world a great 2020 and looking forward to the new album. Thanks so much for letting me tell my story. Thanks so much, Craig. You guys got to see this photo of him and Roger. It's awesome. Roger is just having the biggest laugh, and uh, they're both just just really happy and smiling and just the perfect scenario when you're getting a photo um, of any sort with uh, especially your heroes. So check that out on the Facebook thread for this episode. It'll be over there. And uh, thanks so much for getting this thing rolling, Craig. And, uh, yeah, pretty amazing to get photographic evidence of such a cool hangout so let's keep it rolling we got a slightly um weirder one now this one's a little more elaborate here and uh strangely enough has actually even come up on the podcast in the past so um it's it's a little weird unless you've been following the show a lot to make this make sense but basically it's stretched back to about by chance, before I recorded the Charlotte Sometimes episode, um, I was just watching a lot of interviews, and I stumbled across one where there was a guy interviewing Robert. It seemed, you know, like uh wasn't quite sure what the deal was because the guy clearly wasn't from, like, a, um, you know, video channel or something, but I figured it was just, like, from a, you know college thing or something but um still great interview and it was really cool just because it was like asking all these questions he doesn't get asked a lot and it came up around that time because he tells the story of him meeting uh penelope farmer um the author of the book charlotte sometimes and they get into to that whole thing a bit and then later it would turn out that the guy interviewing was the guy um in this story here who's also plays in a band called the silence kit that just by chance that we happen to cover during one of the cover episodes just the most recent one even um from that blog that celebrates itself compilation they have a song on there and i believe we had even mentioned them before that maybe in another episode so he plays in a really cool band he ends up interviewing robert smith what the hell is going on with this guy so we got his full story finally Um, And if none of that made sense, don't worry, he'll explain it all here. But this is Pat from the band Silence Kit telling his story, an encounter of interviewing Robert Smith. Back in 2008, my wife told me about a contest that she had heard on the radio, 104.5 in Philadelphia where you submit 10 questions to Robert Smith and the winner gets to meet and interview him. I literally never listened to the radio and I never thought anybody actually won those things, but I filled it out and submitted it anyway, never expecting to hear anything back. Needless to say, I was beyond flabbergasted when I got the phone call from the DJ named Wendy saying I'd won the contest. 
I was terrified immediately. Meet and interview Robert Smith? Good God. When I had met Tom York years ago, I asked him if I could shake his hand and I felt like the biggest dork in the world. But at least I have something to actually say to Robert, since I actually had a list of questions I was going to ask him. Although I couldn't imagine such a surreal thing actually happening. My friends and I were sitting outside with the DJ, the Geffen and Interscope label rep, and two other winners. They had won a meet and greet with The Cure, which also scored them front row seats. I had a couple friends with me, and I wasn't sure if we'd be pushing it too much by trying to get them both in with me. But they were longtime Cure fans, so I had to try. And when the time came, everybody was really nice about it and let us all in. So, we were ushered through the backstage area into the stadium through this long hall that was lined with pictures of the 76ers, Flyers, and more. It was pretty incredible. They brought us into a small conference-type room, and we all sat down and talked. We were told Robert would be in at 6.30. I went through my list of 10 questions, and I drew stars next to the five I definitely wanted to ask, and numbered the rest in order of importance. The cameraman had the DJ and I sit on the couch as if it were Robert and I to get the shot and test it out, and they seemed pleased with everything. I couldn't believe I'd be sitting on a couch with Robert Smith. It was all very surreal. The stage manager said it'd go smoother and Robert would be more comfortable if the interview was just Robert and I, along with the radio people, and everyone else left the room and waited in the hallway. At around 7.30, Robert slowly walked in. Everyone else got up and walked out, and Robert slowly approached. I shook his hand, and he looked me over a bit suspiciously. He seemed like he had no idea what he was walking into and wasn't sure about me. He apologized for being late, and I chuckled and tried not to say, Are you kidding me? You could punch me in the eye right now and wouldn't have to apologize. But instead, I think I said, That's okay, really. We sat down next to each other on the couch and picked up the mics. The cameraman said to me, Okay, anytime you're ready, you can start. So I think I may have stammered just a bit at the first start and said something to the effect of, Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, This is incredible. To Robert, and he just looked at me blankly. So I started into the first question. I had the list of questions on my lap, and I started reading the first question, and then made the conscious effort to loosen up and go from memory, looking at him. Once I asked the first question, I realized he was a very easy interview, actually. He had a long and interesting answer for the first question, and in his answer he mentioned that they'd played a new song at the previous night's show, and were planning to play another one here in Philly. Even though everyone else in the band thinks I'm crazy, they say last night's set was good. Why would we change it? We both laughed, and I realized that he was definitely starting to warm up. So I found that the interview went much more naturally, like a real conversation, actually. I felt like I was just hanging out with him. He would mention something interesting in his answer, which would lead me to ask another question, not on the paper. And he would follow that with an answer that happened to lead me into a question that was on the paper. And that was how it went. He could tell I was actually interested in really listening to what he was saying and not just spitting, sitting there spitting out questions, which I think is why he gave such a great interview. So, in all, I asked about six and a half of the questions that were on my paper. 
all the questions with stars got asked, which was good, and I learned some cool things that I don't think were ever mentioned in previous interviews. One of my favorite things that I found out was that Burn, the song on the Crow soundtrack, was actually recorded only by Boris, the drummer at the time, and Robert. So, as I was getting through the questions, the stage manager came up and held up two fingers, so I said, I think I have time for two more questions. And I asked one, which Robert answered just as casually and thoroughly as I had asked my last question, which Robert answered with another in-depth answer, which he ended by mentioning the top. At which point I said, well, that's interesting. The top is another question I had, but I think we're out of time. But anyway, here it goes. And then I asked the question anyway, and Robert was totally cool about it. Didn't even flinch and gave me a full answer. As I wrapped up, the manager guy stepped up and gave his done now gesture. So we wrapped it up. The cameraman shut off his camera and we both stood up and I handed Robert a couple of my band, The Silence Kit, CDs, the only two that were out at the time, In Regulated Measure and A Strange Labor. And I said, I have a couple of CDs for you. I know you're really busy and probably won't have a chance to listen to it. And he interrupted me. No, thank you. It's a long bus trip, which made me happy. I continued, well, I just wanted to give you these because without you, I never would have made this music. He turned the CDs over, looking over the art, and then asked, what do you do in the band? And I said, I play guitar and sing. And actually, I recorded this one by myself, recorded it in my attic. We both kind of chuckled and he put the CDs in his pocket, picked up his beer, and walked out into the hall. He told the guys out there, including my friends, that he felt bad about being so late. So he'd like to have all you back to the dressing room to meet the rest of the band and get some things signed and photos. Wendy, the DJ, said, You did awesome. He thought you were funny. You two were laughing it up, cracking jokes. You did so good. And the cameraman said, Wow, you got 15 minutes. That's unheard of. To get that much out of one of these interviews... So we met Simon, Robert, Jason, in the dressing room. Pearl wasn't around. We got some autographs and talked to each other a bit. And afterward, we watched The Cure play a great keyboardless 2008 set of classics and stuff from the then forthcoming 413 Dream. Alright, so I may have lied a little bit. That's a pretty dream scenario, amazing hangout story that, uh, you know, 9 out of 10 times it probably won't go that smooth. So uh, congrats, Pat. You pulled it off, man. You are able to break through. And uh, it is really, really a smooth, awesome interview. And I recommend everybody go check that out on the Facebook page, too. We'll put a link to it. It's on, it's on YouTube now. So, um, so, yeah, very cool. I remember watching that before catching this whole story and being in awe of, like, wow, this dude's, like, getting some real answers out of Robert and, you know, not just the, the cookie-cutter questions by any means. So, uh pretty rad, man. Congrats. And, uh, wow, what a way to capture that moment. So. So yeah, definitely worth checking out that interview in its entirety on YouTube and on our Facebook page. Um, so much good stuff that comes up in passing even, and uh, like the idea of Robert even contemplating using a keytar for uh, Charlotte sometimes in this era in 2008 without keyboards. So. 
so cool that he was able to capture those kind of Robert thinking out loud moments that you don't hear very often. All right, next up, we're going to go back to our buddy Arusha that we haven't heard from in a while, and great to have her back on the show. Anybody familiar with her or this podcast know that the only way you can follow up a cure story like that is probably with an Arusha story. And, uh, you know, this isn't the only one. When this whole concept came up, I was like, well, I guess I could just cut and paste that old episode we did ages ago now with Arusha and she tells a very cool story of meeting Robert I believe that was for the first time uh, back on the swing tour in 96 and uh, so I highly recommend you go back on YouTube and find that episode it's a two-parter we did with a conversation with Arusha and she tells a great story of meeting up with Robert backstage and uh, wackiness ensues But, uh, of course, in true Arusha fashion, that would not be the only time that she would cross paths with Mr. Robert Smith. And she was kind enough to send in this story from a later era. So let's kick it off once again to Arusha. During the Dream Tour, I had a good amount of access to the band. Actually, it was excellent. It was amazing. My friends and I saw them almost every night um, in one way or another. But just because you see The Cure off stage, it doesn't mean that you're buddy buddies with Robert Smith and that any encounter with him still is not surreal. So... For the Salt Lake City show, which was about midway through the American tour, we stayed, there were four of us, and we splurged for what was in our budget an expensive hotel. Now, in like New York or California terms, it was cheap because it was Salt Lake City and it was 2000 but... Um, we stayed at this hotel. We didn't know if the band were staying there or not, but... It seemed like the only, you know, fancy hotel in the neighborhood, so or it, you know, whatever. So we splurged, given that we were like sleeping in cars the night before, and uh, stayed there. Upon checking into our rooms, and we checked in really, really late. I think maybe two nights before the show, or one. I don't know, but <clears throat> it was very late. We go up to our our floor, and outside of one room. Next to ours, there's a food tray and two bottles of Budweiser. Now, if that doesn't scream Simon Gallup, I don't know what does. We were excited, curious, you know, and really not sure what to do. We didn't do anything. We stared at the beer bottles and went into our rooms and then went out, I think. Upon returning to the rooms later that night, uh, we were trying to get in the door, and this was a very, very quiet hotel. There was not that many people around, and we were, our room was about halfway down the hall, and suddenly, while I was trying to open the door to our room, I looked to my right, and the elevator door opens, and guess who it is? Robert Smith and his bodyguard, and Ian and I were terrified. I didn't want him to think that I purposely (laughs) 
stayed on the floor, same floor as him, or if I knew, I didn't, I didn't know what to do, and they were slowly approaching, and like suddenly my world was getting more claustrophobic and it was like a crazy movie and I couldn't open the door and I just wanted to escape and like I knew they were going to yell at me I knew it was all going to end so as I prepared for utter disaster and embarrassment imagining that big Daryl was going to pick me up by my shirt and toss me aside Robert came up and said you have to be careful of the static cling when you open the door he grabbed my key moved his little feet on the carpet to get rid of the static cling and opened the door for us. And then carried on into his room. And that was it. One last time before it's over. All right. As always, thank you so much, Arusha. Great to have you back on the show. And uh, I get the feeling you could probably fill a whole episode yourself of Karen Counter stories. But we'll save that for another time. Thank you, as always. Next up, we have a story from Cami, who writes in, possibly uh, my dream scenario of ever meeting the cure. So I'm real jealous of this one. Uh, it mixes two of my favorite things in the world, the cure and being locked in a bar. Let's hear what Cammie has to say about encountering the cure. The first time I met the cure was on February 21st, 2000 in Dallas. After seeing them play a club show at Deep Ellum live as part of the Blood Flowers promotional shows. The club they were playing was near downtown Dallas in the entertainment district known as Deep Ellum. And because the show was on a Monday night, the entire area was pretty much deserted after they had played. The show was really amazing, and I was feeling all cure high, even though my attempt to see or meet the band as they were leaving the club was unsuccessful. So, I had started my long drive back home, when approximately 1.45am, I noticed a small group of people huddled together on the sidewalk out in front of a bar called July Alley just a few blocks from the club. I immediately recognized, standing in the group, a very distinct and unmistakable Robert Smith. I haphazardly pulled my car over, illegally parked, I'm quite sure, and ran over to join the 8 to 10 others waiting to have a possible interaction. Everybody was handing Robert stuff, and he was signing things and chatting and being very friendly. When he eventually turned to me... We said hello, and he reached for my CD to sign, but then someone called his name and started asking him all sorts of questions. At this point, I was standing very nervously, I might add, right in front of him, and as he began giving very detailed and rather thoughtful answers, he spoke very quietly, so everyone got really silent and huddled closer so they could hear him better. He seemed to be in a good mood, making jokes and being very humble. After a while, he reached over and took the CD from my hands, because I had completely forgotten that I was still holding it. He signed it, and as he handed it back, he explained that the rest of the band was inside the bar having drinks and playing pool, and we were welcome to come in and join them, but we had to be inside before 2 a.m., and it was very near 2 a.m., because they would be locking the doors and the bar was going to let them hang out even though they were closed. 
So we all happily followed Robert and his bodyguard inside the virtually empty bar where Simon, Roger, Perry, and Jason all were. We all got drinks and hung out while the band played pool. I was super shy then, still am a bit, and was too afraid to really approach anyone in the band while they were hanging out with each other. But at some point, I had a quick chat with Perry while he was playing some songs on the jukebox. He also signed my CD and was super friendly too, and very sweet, joking with me about my excellent taste in music as evidence of my Bloodflowers CD. Of course, having my CD autographed by the band was not really the important part to me. It was just a way to have some kind of memento from the occasion. And of course, I still have it, and I would never part with it. I think I left the bar around 4 a.m., but to be honest, I don't actually remember leaving, even though everything else about the evening was totally unforgettable. Holy crap, can you imagine being locked in a bar with the cure? And, and the venue is like totally cool with that? That's so awesome. So, yeah, but you know, that's where it could get dangerous too. You mix in the. Uh, alcohol into the mix <laughs> everyone gets braver then right so uh that could go horribly wrong quick glad you pulled it off great job cammy and thanks so much for sharing that story that is amazing all right up next we have a contribution from christine who you might recognize from past episodes it's great to have christine back a devoted longtime cure fan and this is her story of gradually inching her way towards a meeting with Robert Smith and uh, over all these years of loving the band it finally happened so here we go with Christine welcome back to the show hi Christine here I haven't contributed for a while I keep meaning to but I get lazy or forget and by the time I remember the episode's already out so I'm finally adding something uh, just to reintroduce myself. I live near Seattle and my first Cure show was in 1996, but I've been a fan since around 1983 when I heard Let's Go to Bed on the radio and stole my neighbor's Japanese Whispers cassette. Um, I've now seen the Cure 44 times in seven countries and the most recent show I saw was Pasadena. Um, I've met a few of the band members over the years Back in 2004, a friend had gotten passes to the after party from one of the band members and was nice enough to give me and another friend her extra passes. Um, Simon and Roger were there and were chatting amongst themselves and with other people they knew, and we didn't really feel comfortable interrupting them. And it was our first time back there, so we were kind of nervous. So we just talked amongst ourselves and hung out. Then Perry came in for a few minutes, and when he was leaving, I asked him to sign my ticket, which he was nice enough to do. Um, it was kind of a, the whole thing was kind of awkward because we didn't know anybody and no one really talked to us and it was just kind of a very odd scenario, but you know, it was still a good story to tell. And then a few years later in 2008, after their show at the Hollywood Bowl, the first time they played there, my friends and I were hanging around by the backstage entrance after the show, just seeing, you know, if we could see anyone famous or whatever. And suddenly this stranger walked up to me and said, you seem like a big Cure fan. I was like, yeah. And he just handed me four after-party passes and walked away. I was stunned and I had no idea who he was. Um, we were given four passes, but we had five people in our group. And so we kind of, you know, 
talked to the security guy, and eventually we pled our case, and he let us all in. Um, we got some drinks up there, and Simon was there again, and Jason, and we just kind of all hung out. We didn't really talk to the band much, but they were all there, or Simon and Jason. Um, I can't remember if anyone else was there. Um, definitely not Robert, but Pearl, maybe? I can't remember. Um, I asked Jason to sign my ticket, and he did. And then the security guard got kind of snippy and was like, this is an after-show party, not a meet-and-greet. So I was like, well, I'm sorry. So we didn't bother them anymore. Um, but it was kind of cool because it was totally unexpected, and I have no idea who gave us those passes. And so thanks to that anonymous person. Um, then I didn't really see them any other times after that for a while. Um, some of the shows like in Italy and in Napa Valley, I saw like Jason wandering around the festival during the day and Simon and Jason a few, or Simon and Roger a few times, just kind of out amongst the people wandering. Um, then in 2016, I happened to be staying at the same hotel as the band in one of the cities and we went to the bar after the show for drinks and Simon and Roger showed up and they happened to know one of the people I was with. So we were sitting at the table with them and just chatting for a while. And then some fans sent shots over to Simon and Roger. And Roger was like, I can't drink those. What if they're spiked? So I'd already had a few drinks. I mean, so I was like, I'll drink them. So I drank their shots and luckily nothing bad happened. But, you know, not that that's anything to joke about, but uh, it was kind of funny. Roger didn't want to drink the shots that someone sent over. So it's probably a good thing I don't remember too much of that uh, that uh, night. Um, and then that same year in 2016, I met Lowell at his DJ party in Los Angeles before the Hollywood Bowl shows and then on his book tour. And so up until 2018, I'd met Simon, Roger, Perry, Jason, and Lowell. Then 2018 was finally I met Robert for the first and only time. Um, when it was announced that the Meltdown show was on my birthday, I was like, oh, I have to be there. It's my birthday. I've never seen him on my birthday. So I had to make it work. Um, my friend and I split a membership to the South Bank Center so we could get early access to tickets. And luckily it paid off. She was able to get us two tickets. Um, the show was good. And then after the show, we went up to this members only bar that was kind of up on one of the upper levels. And we saw that the after party was like outside on this terrace thing. And there was a guy at the door to the terrace, like checking credentials and everything before letting people out there. So we were like, hmm, okay, can't get out there. So we hung around inside for a bit. And then I saw some friends that I knew out on the balcony. I was like, how did they get out there? So I'm not going to tell you how, but we did manage to get outside um, where we weren't really supposed to be. And we just kind of latched onto our friends and tried not to look out of place. It was pretty crowded out there. So we just kind of blended in and looked like we were supposed to be there. And uh, I purposely didn't have any drinks because I didn't want to have to leave and go to the bathroom and not be able to get back in. So we just hung out for a while. And then eventually I noticed Robert had shown up, but he was sitting at the other end, like with his family and stuff. So we didn't bother him. And then eventually he was kind of walking around a little bit or got up. So my friend dragged me over there. My friends met him before. 
um, he dragged me over there to get a picture with him. And I was kind of nervous. I was like, no, I don't want to. But my friend's like, no, you're going to. Come on. So he dragged me over there. And my friend's like, oh, can my friend have a picture? It's her birthday. And he's like, yes. And so I just posed for the picture and I just said, thank you. And, you know, it was great. I've kind of wished I had said thanks for playing on my birthday. My friend had mentioned it was my birthday, but I don't know if he heard him. So I kind of regret not telling him myself that it was my birthday, but that's okay. Um, but it was over really fast. I just told him thank you and got the picture and that was that. And I didn't want to bother him too much more. And I kind of remember it all, but I don't remember it all because it was so quick. Um, and then he went back to his family and we just kind of got out of his way. But um, it was a fun night anyway and a good another good night of stories to tell. And the Twilight Sad were all out there and I had a really funny interaction with James, the singer, who's just a really lovely person. He's very nice and and funny. Um, so that's mostly it. Um, I love the picture I got with Robert, but, you know, I didn't want to post it online at first because I didn't want to feel like I was bragging or, you know, boasting about it. You know, I did eventually, but, you know, I just try and realize, you know, not everybody is lucky to meet the band and sometimes it's just being at the right place at the right time. And, you know, I try not to take any of those experiences for granted. Um, you know, I'm kind of a calm, shy person, so I don't like fawn all over them. And I just try and be respectful and polite. And if they say no to like a picture, I wouldn't bother them about it. And they've always been really nice to me. So, you know, it's really cool. And when people know, like they ask, like, oh, are you going to see your band again? They ask if you've met them. You know, you can tell them, yeah, I've met some of them and tell them your experiences. Um, you know, but then they're like, do they know you? And I'm like, no, I'm not at that level. I'm just casual fan. I've been to a lot of shows, but I, you know, I'm not at, on that level of having those kind of interactions with them. But it's good, good experiences, you know, to share with friends and and uh, good memories to have. So that's really all that I have to contribute this time. So hopefully I didn't chat on for too long. And hopefully I will remember to contribute in the future episodes. And I will talk to you all later. Bye. All right, Christine, thanks so much. Feel free to contribute anytime the mood strikes. Record any of your thoughts. We always love to hear from you on this show. So glad you got that picture with Robert. Long overdue, in my opinion. So, uh, well-deserved. Up next, we have a wonderfully, slightly awkward, but lovable story from Sam, sent in from the 1996 Swing Tour in Philly. Let's hear what happened to Sam when paths crossed with Robert Smith of The Cure. Hi Gavin, I went to the Spectrum in Philly in 1996 during the Swing Tour, my second Cure show. I'd seen them there for the Wish Tour as well. I was with some friends who knew what part of the fence out back to go to after the show where we could see the band as they were coming out of the venue. At least a few dozen other fans were there and a few band members were there at the fence chatting and signing autographs. I was just kind of watching and taking in the scene as I had never done anything like this before and just being surprised that we could just see them this close up. 
Well, Robert walked over and everybody rushed over to that section of the fence. My one friend, who was a musician, was chatting with Robert about the guitars he had used in the show and his choices of certain guitars for certain songs. Some people were asking him what music he was listening to at the time. And although I forget what he replied with, I was interested to know what Robert thought of some of the other bands that I was into. So I said, what do you think of the Pet Shop Boys? He kind of shot me a puzzled glance and smiled. And as he continued to sign autographs through the fence, he said, I try not to think of them, actually. I felt a bit embarrassed as some of the other fans groaned at my question, but it was still a fun experience and a funny story. <laughs> at least I knew enough to not ask him about Morrissey. His funniest response, though, was when some lady told him, I named my daughter after one of your song titles, Robert. And he, in classic Robert Deadpan, said, Oh, really? What, figurehead? Love the podcast. Look forward to more. Sam. All right. Thanks so much for sharing that story, Sam. Um, dangerous territory there asking him about music opinions. <laughs> I think there's always a good chance you're going to get a response like that, but, uh, you know, have, have, worth a shot, right? You know, I'm with you. Pet shop boys have some cool songs, you know, calm down, Robert. Anyway, um, and figurehead baby. I think that's just a sweet name for a little baby, little figurehead. Anyway, let's move on. Here's another one that I got from Instagram from Stefano, I believe from Italy. Um, if I interpreted the, the language I couldn't read correctly, apologies if I didn't. But this is another fun one about that wonderful time that he encountered Robert Smith on the Disintegration Prayer Tour. Well, I give Robert my compliments for their music, and then I asked him to play in the evening concert a song that I really loved, This Charming Man. But I made a mistake, because I meant to ask him to play The Drowning Man. I got confused from all the excitement, and I said the title of a song that I did love so much, This Charming Man, which is obviously a song by the Smiths, not The Cure. Robert repeated back to me the title with doubt, and I confirmed it, so at the end, to come out from the embarrassment, he told me, maybe, and I shook his hand, wishing him good luck for the concert. Obviously, they didn't play this charming man. And after the concert, thinking about my meeting, I realized the very silly mistake I had made. But it was still a magical meeting and a wonderful concert at the time of the superlative album, Disintegration. All right, thanks so much, Stefano. Totally seems like something I would do, uh, but you seem to have handled it well. Glad you still enjoyed the moment for what it was. Um, again, an amazing photo you took with Robert Smith, too, and we can share that on uh, the Facebook page. Thanks so much for sharing your story and photograph and uh, story. I love it. And uh, we have one last one we'd like to leave you with. As if, uh, you know, we figured with every encounter, there's got to be at least four or five times as many near encounters, right? Kind of like mine, going full circle back to my 
not wanting to bug Reese, but maybe I was just too nervous anyway. Who knows? But uh, we got a message, just a short little message on Instagram from our friend Sophia, who you might remember from the Mystery Caller episode. And uh, she had a near-cure encounter story. So we'll wrap up with this small little dose of reality. My ex went through the trouble of getting us backstage passes for the Wild Mood Swings tour. And when it came time to be in a room with Robert Smith, I was so busy sobbing and dry heaving that I had to back out. Sorry, Scott. I hear that you should never meet your idols because you always end up disappointed anyway, right? Meh. Oh, Sophia, I'm sorry, but I could totally relate. And, uh, you know, since since you're our buddy on the show here, I got to take your side, but I got to feel a little sorry for, for Scott too, right? Um, this poor dude, he's probably like, I finally got the chance to meet Robert. Oh, come on, honey. No, hold it together. Hold it together. I'm assuming he left with you. And uh, just to make it easier, maybe we'll say he wasn't really that big of a Cure fan and he just wanted to do it for you. So, But maybe not. Either way, um, I'm not sure I would have been able to pull that off. Uh, I probably would have been like, you just go wait outside and, honey, I'll, I've got this. I'll hang out here and just see what happens. And uh, <laughs> But either way, there's always next time, right? This next tour, it's right around the block. I think we'll all uh, get another crack at this in 2020. Hopefully, uh, this new album will pop up any day now. Tour dates will be announced. We'll all get another shot. And I think maybe this will be the fuel. This episode will be the fuel that we all need to um, stalk and harass the band as much as possible so we can uh, have our own stories to share. But until then, thank you so much to all you guys that sent in uh, contributions. Like I said, there's billions of these out there. But you guys are the ones that made the move and actually contributed. So I appreciate it so much. And uh, thank you so much for these stories. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't have any of them. So uh, I loved hearing all yours and greatly, greatly appreciate it. I love being able to throw things out there like this and you guys put the whole show together. So uh, it makes it so much more fun. So thank you so much. Again, thank you to Craig for the idea, Pat from the Silence Kit, Arusha, Cammy, Christine, Sam, Stefano, Sophia, everybody did i miss anyone i hope not but um yeah thanks so much and uh, we'll catch you soon on the holy hour we got more great episodes on the horizon we got some good stuff hopefully we'll get this new album soon and that'll just blow the roof off everything but until then be sure to listen to us on apple podcast also known as itunes i still call it itunes um subscribe if you want rate it if you want but mostly just Just listen to it there. If you want to hear the older episodes, they are all locked in on YouTube. So go over to YouTube and uh, stream them right there. Comment if you want. Um, Follow some other stuff. There's some playlists on the YouTube page too. Maybe we'll start adding some video content. I don't know. We should utilize this YouTube page. What do you think about that? We'll do puppets. Maybe so you don't actually have to see me, Donald, or Chaz, right? Maybe we'll, we'll do a whole puppet version. 
bad ideas all around. Um, so be sure to subscribe on uh, Instagram. We're the Holy Hour Podcast on Instagram. That's where you can find feelers for episodes like this where you can contribute. We'll try to throw more out there um, like this where uh, we give you guys a chance to uh, be more vocal. And uh, so follow us on there so you know those are coming. And uh, the Facebook page for episodes like this is great. You can see little extra bits, see the pictures of these guys that have their meets and greets with Robert Smith and company. So go on over to the Facebook page and just punch in the Holy Hour podcast. It should pop up. Go ahead and like the page. It's not too overwhelming, you know. Um, Facebook is already annoying, right? You might as well flood it with cure content. So uh, go ahead and do that. If you want to write to me directly, GavinConnor at gmail.com is the best way to do that. You can send in ideas for shows. Like I said, this was all stemmed from Craig's idea. I'm sure there's some obvious ones we haven't thought of yet. So uh, feel free to hit me up if you have any comments, questions, um, concerns with downloads or anything like that. Um, I always just want to chit-chat about the cure some more. Send me a message. Why not? Uh, GavinConnor at gmail.com. Be sure to check out Chaz's latest and greatest cure shirts at 17secondsshirts.bigcartel.com. And uh, what he does is he puts them up for pre-order and whoever orders them, that's how many he makes and then moves on from there. So uh, you want to order it from that website. Keep an eye on 17 underscore seconds on Instagram to find out when they're going up for pre-order. And a lot of times he'll even throw up ideas and, and feelers on that too. So keep an eye on that Instagram page. It's one of the best out there for sure. And he's just an amazing guy, isn't he? So uh, let's all do that. And uh, we'll catch you soon here on the Holy Hour Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And, uh, you know, go daydream about meeting the cure. Until next time, talk hard. You never know. And you never know.